USB audio? Now I'm getting audio. Okay. Magic. There we go. Jake, I still can't. Can I hear you? Yeah. Uh, lifted my mic up my shirt, so it should be closer to my mouth. <laughs> yeah, actually, I can't hear you at all. Uh, here, let's, let's try that again. How about now? Hey, check it out. Nope, nope, something's up with our mics. But I got mic one and two going. Yeah, and they're redlining like That's crazy. That's interesting. Okay, I don't know what happened, guys. Welcome to Nightlight Radio. We don't know what's going on <laughs> with the mics. Right, we don't know what's going on with the mics. Well, why? Uh, I don't know, to check them out. Okay, so go over here. Come on over here, Producer Jasmine. And go plug in, plug in this mic into mic slot number one over there and make sure that device is plugged in. This, oh, ow. What? Did you just get shocked? <laughs> I was like static shock. Um, what, where's the mic? Plug this mic into slot number one. Yeah. Right there. Look at that. Okay. And now, test it and see if it, it's on. Is this microphone on? I don't know. I can't tell. Why don't you put some headphones on and then you'll be able to tell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is this microphone on? And why don't you speak into the microphone? I'm trying. And then go ahead and is turn... Is the microphone on? I don't think the microphone's on. I don't think this is on. Oh, yeah. you got to make sure that's on. Is this... There you there go. There you go. Okay. So... Behind uh, the scenes. <laughs> you keep working on that. Uh, right. Go ahead and tell us what we're doing tonight. Jake, why don't you walk over there and tell us what we're doing tonight? Yes. And I'm going to work on these the microphones. Microphone. Don't forget to unclip your microphone. No dead air, guys. Come on. We got a we got a good show for you guys tonight. We're gonna be going over at least three. Okay. Go ahead, Jay. Continue speaking. We have some would you rather questions coming up here shortly. Uh, you can think of this moment as a commercial break before we get into the show uh, because uh, we're having some sort of issues with our microphones. Um, but you can be assured that we do trust our equipment before we jump into our show and our programs each and every time we have them. So as soon as we're ready to go here, we're going to carry on and uh, get ready with um, different topics regarding parents and why Friends you, with benefits. Why don't you go ahead and read us one of the things one like of the that? Topics. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Just jump into it. Okay. Just going to hit up one of the ones that I found earlier. having the issues okay like I said we have a topic here regarding stepmothers and that's the first one we have on our list today this one is issues with my stepmother who was behaving callously when I was younger before I could even remember my mother split up with my father since then I went back and forth to my dad and mother in a constant custody battle as of right now I am with my dad and I love him a lot don't get me wrong 
but seven years ago he got with a woman. Um, he loves her a lot, but this woman is utterly ignorant of how I feel and how I'm doing. At first, when my dad had gotten with her initially, I loved her. She was the best. Uh, but ever since she had her two children, she's been neglectful and just horrible. She has her moments where she can be charming and friendly, but most of the time, she's a monster. I've tried to see eye to eye with her, but no matter what I do, she goes back to the way she is. Even my dad has sat down with her to have conversations. The way she acts is in the following ways. She takes sides with my younger sisters regularly, even if she sees what's going on. Name-calling. She sends me to my room during family events, compares me to my sisters, always telling me I can do better, tells me I don't do anything right, tries to sabotage me, insults my taste in things, puts me down, and it makes she makes me call her mom. This is so upsetting because I have a biological mother, which I wish to see more often. My stepmother constantly uses the line, Respect me, I'm your mother. And whenever I say, No, you're in trouble for it. Is this the way parents are supposed to be? I've tried to communicate with both my father and my stepmom, but no matter what I do, it changes for a few days and goes back to normal. Of course, I'm not innocent with what I do, but most of the time, she starts arguments. The only reasoning I can think of is she's jealous since my dad is, well, my dad. I honestly have no idea how to handle it. And since I love the rest of my family so much, I don't want to speak up. I hope this reaches someone and I can get advice on how to deal with this kind of thing. <clears throat> um, this person's name is Tara. <sighs> Posted about a month ago. But, anyway. Uh, this one stood out to me just because... Uh, it's the first one I really saw that had to do with a daughter and a stepmother sort of situation. And um, I've not been very familiar with that. When I'm looking at the list, though, of things that are going on, uh, it kind of seems more like she wants her or sees her potential, but maybe she doesn't really know the best ways about going about that and like speaking that sort of wisdom to um, her stepdaughter, maybe uh, she needs to be spoken to more gently, um, but I don't know, I get the feeling that she's a bit, um, the word, maybe uh, fragile, right? So things that are heavy or some sort of conflict um, might affect her stronger, um, because according to this list, um, I can see how these things could be, like, really sad, but I would not say that it's, like, super neglectful, like she said. She's been neglectful. I don't know. Maybe I just don't understand the whole thing. So why don't you and, uh, sorry, I'm still working on this here. Uh, maybe you and Justine can talk about it a little more and see what you can come no up with. No one can hear me in this No, place, you're right? totally you're good. Fine. You're oh, totally good. good. Okay. All right. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Um, okay. So 
one of the things, and I'm still trying to find the article so I can go back to it. Oh, yeah. Look Let me at it post it to the thread. My computer was having a hard time loading. We're having all kinds of technical difficulties over here. <laughs> um, but I remember part of it was saying that she loves her family and is kind of afraid to speak up. Mm -hmm. And so part of me is like the advice I'd want to give on that is like, if you want something to change or you want like more communication to be had, you have to start out by communicating. So, um, I think it would be really good for you to like sit your, like get your stepmom and your dad in like the same room and just sit down and like, um, in a respectful way, talk about how you've been feeling and, um, just like the way that, the way that you're taking some of the interactions because maybe she's not meaning to come across that way all the time. Um, you know, and like you are, it seems that you're the older one because at first when your dad got together with her, she didn't have any kids and then she had her own kids. Yeah. Is that what it is? So there's probably just like more of responsibility. They've been together for seven years. Yeah. Um, so I would say it's just, it's really important to get that communication out there. Because if you're holding on to all these things and then you don't give her the chance to like respond or to understand where you're coming from and you're holding on to all these emotions and all these thoughts about her, then in a way you're setting her up for failure because you're not coming to her and like, you know, just asking her like, are you meaning to come off this way? This is, this is how I'm taking these interactions. Mm -hmm. or, like, letting her know a better way to communicate with you about these these different things that she's taking issue with. Um, yeah, so it's kind of hard to talk to her at first. Maybe talk with your dad and just see the best way to do, to do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, just talk with them, I'd say. Well, she did have a conversation with her dad, and her dad seemed to have a conversation with the mom. But I haven't seen uh, her, like you said, sit down with them, with the mom. Or both of them at the same time, for that matter. That could be productive. But, yeah, regardless, it doesn't seem like there has been any communication. Uh, she does say that she tried to see eye to eye with her, but no matter what I do, she goes back to the way she is. So I don't really know what that's about. Um, what do you think about the line, respect me, I'm your mother? You'll have to go to the mic. We're losing sound. Oh, I'll have to go over there. Yeah, so you go ahead and ditch your mic and you can go over there. Um, um she gets upset whenever uh, she tries to um, say, no, you're not, and 
bring up that she doesn't really see her that way. Um, but yeah, basically I'm wondering what you think about that. If it's like a, a good intention type of situation or if that's like overstepping a boundary in your mind. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of a sad move to pull on someone. I, I don't really, I don't really know how I feel about it, like, overall, but I, yeah, I just, I think maybe there's, can you hear me fine? Yeah, guys. Okay. Um, I think there. I think we got all the mics back. I think. For the stepmom, I think Testing. there's maybe just like uh, a want for a relationship and not really knowing how to go about it. So then trying to like pull the highest rank mm -hmm. in in a moment of like frustration, um, which you know that's like probably not the best way to go about it but um yeah i just think if you guys sit down and, and talk about it, it might really help the whole situation hey so let's take a minute let's take a second to transition while we're transitioning justine you can pull out one of those cards and then maybe we can talk about it some more sorry guys this is what happens when you use you can check. anyone hear me jasmine can you pull that mic out Okay, check, can you check. Guys yeah, we can hear you guys hear me? perfectly now. Oh, Great. Okay. Nice. All right, so would you rather question as promised on our Instagram, if you guys looked on there. Um, so would you rather be around people all day for a year or be alone for a year? Have we done this one? Yes, we have. Oh. We did this last week. I'm sorry. We got to put these cards in the back. That's what we got to do. I know. I dropped them all. It was like oh, no. Card. It was like a hundred card pickup. Um... Okay, so uh, hopefully we didn't. Hopefully we didn't do this one. But would you rather have two Christmases every year, Christine's looking at me or <laughs> have two birthdays every year? Two birthdays all the way. Because I have to share mine with someone else, so it's not as fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. What about you, Jake? Um. Well, I don't know. I feel like if I had two birthdays every year, I'd be 40, no, about 50 years old right now. <laughs> and so you'd be the same amount of years old. You just would have two birthdays. You would just get to celebrate twice. Oh, I see. I thought we were using our imagination here, but okay. Now that I see the truth of the situation, sure. We can have a whole day dedicated to me twice a year. <laughs> and we can name it Jacob Browning Day. I have a first name and a last name. Is the pause we're gonna, necessary? Yes. We're going to celebrate it January 1st, and then we're going to have to wait throughout the whole year and then celebrate it again December 31st. So it's two days in a row. It's two days in a <laughs> row, but it's also the beginning and the last days of the year. Because of my first name and my last name. Both my birthdays that I chose to celebrate. Okay. Twice a year. What was the question again? Two Sorry, I'm trying to catch up on our previous Two topic. Christmases or two birthdays? Oh. Two Christmases or two birthdays. 
so far mm. the spicy flavor is birthdays. I don't know. I, it's it's hard. Depends on what you're celebrating them for. Because like Christmas is a season. I feel like Christmas is the whole month of December. That's what I'm saying. Birthdays. So it doesn't need to be several days. Bur- but that's what I'm saying. Like Christmas is a season, so you could get you could get a lot out of it. Like think about like twice as much Christmas music. Okay, well, not everybody listens to Christmas music. It's called self-control. I don't listen to it. <laughs> Other people around me listen to it, and I have to. But it's and Christmas Christmas is good for the economy. Sure. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'll play devil's advocate on that one. Although I'm not a huge fan of Christmas. When I was younger, I used to be a big fan of Christmas. I liked it a lot. Not uh, and when I say younger, I mean in my twenties. Not not when I was a kid and getting presents. I really like giving presents. It's just the aspect of the aspect of like managing the the church side of things, where there's like productions to put on and all sorts of stuff, and then the family side of things where you've got family who maybe isn't the most fun to be around but see that's that's going to be the case with birthdays too so i don't know it's a hard one yeah i guess it's a hard one hey do you guys feel like we accomplished did you guys feel like you accomplished (laughs) (laughs) what was necessary for the last question or do you want to move on um, I just told, I feel fine about it. I have nothing more to say on it. I told them <laughs> to communicate to each other. That's always a good one. <laughs> yeah, I just had a thought and it has nothing to do with the last question. Okay. Uh, it has to do with our would you rather question. Okay. okay. We're back on one the thing I'd rather, rathers. I'd like to celebrate twice a year is Thanksgiving. Um, let me tell you why. Producer Jasmine's doing I weird things with the I microphone. I don't know where to put this. There's no good spot. Just clip it to your shirt, dude. I had it clipped there, but then my hair kept falling. Okay. There you go. First world problems. Um. (laughs) Well stated. You'll have that problem soon enough. Right. Jacob's growing his hair out, for those of you who haven't noticed. Speaking of things like that, I would like to celebrate Thanksgiving twice (laughs) because you Mm. get the opportunity to, um, first of all, it's always good to think about the little things that uh, may be overlooked, some things you're thankful for throughout the year. And uh, I really appreciate doing that. And I think it would be um, a good morale booster um, if we did that twice a year instead of once a year. Mm-hmm. So I think as, more, as often as we can, we should think about what we're thankful for and not just dedicate it to one day at a year. I think that's good. Although I don't really like... Here's one thing I will say about... Christmas and Thanksgiving. I don't like the food of Christmas and Thanksgiving. That is so weird to me. In general, I I don't like the food. food. This is like, I think of turkey, but I'm more (laughs) of a ham guy. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. Pork, in general, is the best meat. Yeah. And I think that that's why, I I, I believe that there's something to this, that God kept pork away from the Jews, (laughs) specifically (laughs) because... It would be a worthy sacrifice. Yeah. Sacrifice. You're waiting for it. A right? worthy sacrifice. Wow. That's got to be the most sacrilegious treatment of the dietary <laughs> of the dietary laws is calling it a sacrifice. And you heard it here. All right. 
Uh, yeah, so let's... We need the VRN disclaimer again. <laughs> right. You need, a, you need a soundboard. I do. We're, if you haven't noticed, we're constantly changing the setup in my office. This is my office, for those of you who don't know. And uh, constantly adding, you know, trying, trying to make it better. And um, I don't know if it worked today. <laughs> I'll be honest. There's a lot of chords. So anyway, uh, let's, let's go ahead and move on. Okay, we're going to go down to the next topic here. Well, it says, my husband won't stop smoking weed. All right. Producer Jasmine, are you on that? I got it. All right. So, Wait, I'm not ready. Okay. Justine is not ready. Where did you? It's, it's the second one on the top of the list. Okay. Just, yeah, I see are it. Are these stuck together? Uh, this oh, is, they are stuck together. Look at that. This one's by Kit Kat. Yes, it is. And I'm just going to read it for y'all. Kit Kat. Okay, go for it. My husband and I have been married for almost one year. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. What was that? <laughs> Our relationship is wonderful, but has recently experienced a major challenge, one that seems as though we cannot overcome. Before we were married, my husband had a past with drugs and alcohol. But when we met, he was completely sober and had promised me that those habits were in the dust. I am a pretty straight-laced person. I never got into drugs, and I followed the rules. Of course, I made my husband aware of this before we got married. Hold on. Pause. Did anyone else think of it as a pun that wasn't intended when she said we're in the dust? She's talking about drugs and alcohol, like dust. No. That's what they call cocaine on the streets. But anyway. Sure. I'm not okay. up with the streets. Yeah, I've never, I've never been to prison. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. I recently found out that my husband has been smoking weed behind my back daily for more than six months. He snuck it into our garage and would do it early in the morning and before I would come home from the work. When I uncovered this, he completely denied it. After further pressuring him, he came clean about what he had been doing. I was devastated, not just about the pot smoking, but also about the lying to my face and lying to me by omission for six months. I have tried explaining to him why I do not like pot, and he refuses to understand. In fact, he believes that pot is God's gift to earth. My husband knew how I felt about pot before marrying me, but he expects me to accept it now? This doesn't seem fair at all. Since this has happened, he has continued to smoke pot daily, and I have continued to dislike it. We have argued numerous times, all of them consisting of him shoving scientific facts down my throat while I try to explain my feelings. The same feelings I had before our wedding. We even plan on having children one day. This only deepens my feelings considering that weed is illegal where we live. I have tried to come to grips with this and accept this habit, but I am struggling and it is taking a toll on my marriage. I love my husband, but I am not sure how we can find common ground on this topic. I would appreciate some advice and or opinion opinions. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty lame one. Um, lame as in what do you mean? Lame. Sad? Yeah, it's it's okay. lame. Like, yeah, it's, it's lame that that's an issue. Yeah, it's lame because uh, you like at least on the surface in the way that Kit Kat is explaining it, it sounds like she got more than she could chew and she like tried to keep that from happening it doesn't sound like somebody who didn't know that there was a problem to begin with and 
you know, didn't address those things, didn't make herself clear uh, about, you know, what her standards were um, or any of those things. Um, it doesn't even sound like she's overreacting in the sense of like, and now I have to leave him or, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess what I would recommend is uh, going and seeing a counselor. That's, that's something I would recommend. I would also recommend maybe leaning into the science of it. You know? Um, like, I don't know what the world view is. I don't know, what, Kit Kat, what your world view is. But um, what I would say about that is if he sincerely believes that it's like a grounded thing and he wants to talk about um, the science of it and then he wants to say that it's like God's gift to mankind... And I would assume that you have some sort of like morality play or morality at play here that you're trying to um, uphold. You know, like when you say like weed is illegal in our state and things like that. So you've got like a high sense of morality. Um, I would say, you know, lean into exploring that with him. And instead of just instead of just shutting him down summarily. Yeah, it sucks. Um, you know, he's, he's kept that from you for six months and it sucks that he's still continuing to, to, to do that. Yeah. The microphones are a little bit powerful. I know, but you can open your water bottle. It's okay. Um, it sucks that he's continuing to do that. So, you know, I, I would say instead of trying to prohibit him, direct him. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that you should lean into it and you should understand where he's coming from. Understand that science better than him. Um, you know, if he... It, it's too, it's twofold, right? Um, so on the one hand, there is the actual morality involving the marijuana and his usage of it. And we can get into that if you want to. On the other hand... There is the, the fact that, you know, he kept this from you for six months or whatever um, and that he's had a problem with it in the past. So these things all kind of and we talked about it last time, how substance abuse, for instance, is really a worship issue. And I, I think that clearly that's what's happening here is there's a worship issue involved because he had enough problems in the past um, that he felt that he should be clean and sober, right? So on the one hand, there is something to be said for, for leaning into the science of it and saying, you know, what did you learn that puts you in a position where you thought that you should be clean and sober? You know, let's explore that together. I want to understand the science of it. I want to understand where you think that this is not going to have the same effect on you that these things had in the past. And, you know, maybe there's some truth to it. Um, I think, so I think you should do that. I, on, on the other hand, I think that you should definitely talk about how it is that he did keep it from you and how it was a problem enough for him to want to be clean and sober. And so there's maybe something that doesn't quite compute. And that's something that deserves a larger discussion too. Um, so that the fight that you're having isn't about weed and it's, you know, whether it's okay morally, but it's really about his relationship with weed 
and whether he's capable of partaking in it in a way that's responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's where you should put the conversation um, is in discussing his relationship with, with this thing, because uh, just because something may be a gift from God, and by the way, I'm not saying that weed is, but just because something may be a gift from God, that doesn't mean that you can't abuse it. In fact, nine times out of ten, the scriptures is all about how people are given gifts by God and they continually abuse it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stop arguing with him about whether weed is a gift from God. Just lean into it and then direct him on how to do right by having gifts that God gives you and and go from there. And I think, um, you know... There's, there's lots of scriptures that speak to sobriety. Clearly, he's thought in the past that sobriety was something that he should attain, so it seems like you should, you could lean in that direction too, and you can talk about um, his issue with worship and you know how he hasn't, he's obviously not kicked his, his issue here because he uh, was willing to hide this for six months. Anyway, I'm rambling. What do you guys think? I agree. I have nothing to add. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to know that with the fact that he hid uh, him smoking weed for six months yeah. from her, it just kind of tells me like he knows that he shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, especially if that was like daily, because she doesn't say he smoked weed once or twice a month for six months behind my back. It was daily behind my back for mm-hmm. six months mm-hmm. and so it's almost like he's just completely like addicted to it um which is kind of weird for me um just to understand but i totally can see how that can be addictive um especially you if you mean weed like yeah. it's weird to you that he's addicted to weed yeah how come um just because I never thought of it as addictive. Well, weed weed itself isn't addictive, but the feelings that it releases in you are addictive. Right, and that's what I'm getting towards. Yeah. Like any everything can be addictive in that way, and yeah. weed is powerful in that way. He obviously probably like is addicted to that, the feeling of being high or what his body does while he's high. Um and so he'll fight for that feeling, just like any drug. People fight for the feelings that drugs give them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you get more and more into the chase of feeling that and justifying it as opposed to just being sober. And why sober is worse than being under the influence of something. Right. But, um, yeah, so I would not say that he is fighting for smoking weed he's he's fighting for feeling the effects of being high and the fact that he gets high from weed is justifiable in his mind because you know it's medicinal and um it's natural and it's not man-made and all these different things but you know like josh said definitely look more into that and see how different strands are made and how they affect differently and what they all do, um, but then also see how some of it could alter the character of the person smoking it, um, depending on the different strands, try to figure out what he's doing and how he's acting and why he likes that 
sort of feeling of being high, which really <clears throat> is just more relaxed and um, I guess focused on weird little things. But nonetheless, it's not focused on the right things like your guys' marriage. So try to get to the bottom of that and figure out what he's choosing in his, um, uh, like, his joy of smoking weed as opposed to the joy that he should be feeling being married to you. Yeah, I think that there's very few circumstances under which it would make sense to, um, you know, partake in drugs, I guess. And, you know, like, you may be listening to this and thinking to yourself, oh, Josh thinks there's circumstances where you can partake in drugs. But, you know, anytime you take an aspirin, for instance, you're partaking in, you're partaking in drugs. Um, the question is, does what you're taking bring you sobriety? So that's the first question. And I think that there, there are circumstances where, say, somebody's pain, for instance, is so great that them having uh, a moment of um, them using drugs to, to calm their nerves, for instance, could bring them a moment of lucidity. I think that's possible. And I, you know, I think we, we can see people calming down that way. Um, then the question is, is this what you're dependent on? Or is this a gift that you know, God gives you through either the science of man so say something like aspirin to calm a headache down or uh, through, you know, just the, the plants that he made. And I think that's how people think of weed. The thing is, people become dependent, like you said, on the feeling of it. Um, they make it into they 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 make it into everything that they're about. It becomes a, it becomes the culture of things. Mm -hmm. um, but really, we're supposed to have that dependence upon God. And quite frankly, um, abstaining from any sort of discomfort uh, can be way too much of a temptation. Um, we need our pain at times. We need our pain to be there so that we can process things better. So do I think that there's a circumstance? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I think it's limited in application. Uh, if you're an, like an old person, you know, and... If you're an old person and you um, have pain and, and, and your doctor wants to prescribe you oxycodone or something like that, um, I think weed is better than oxycodone, if I'm being honest. Or, you know, better than, than some of those drugs that like are actually like man-made and put you in a position of being um, addicted like right out the gate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do I think weed is better than that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in that circumstance, some of those arguments, you know, that it's God's gift and all this sort of stuff um, definitely applies. The issue here is what you were willing to do for it. Mm -hmm. The fact that you were willing to lie about it for so long, the fact that in the past it was a worship, a worship issue that, you know, you had to run away from it because it was overtaking you. Um, and now it's overtaking your marriage, clearly it's not just a pain management issue. Clearly it doesn't bring you sobriety, but it in fact clouds your judgment. Right. So even though I do think that there's a situation where you could partake in that and have it be okay before God um, and, 
and help you. Clearly, that's not you. That's not what this is right now. Right, right. Based off the fruit. But yeah, I think in a lot of cases, giving restriction is probably the worst thing you can do. Um, and especially to men. Men are wired that way. Like, they're wired to go against the concept of restriction, you know? Human beings in general don't like to be told what to do. But men in specific, they're the bunk, the bucking broncos of, of the human race. And uh, it's kind of dumb how dumb men are if you put a wall in front of them. Like, literally what they want to do if you put a wall in front of them is to smash it over and over and over again. Like Wreck-It Ralph. That's right. You put, just get, just see what happens if you put a wall and a hammer on the ground in front of toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're going to try and break it, you know? That's what, that's what we, we as men do. So, uh, yeah, I lean, lean into exploring it with him and then giving him, restri or not restrictions, but giving him direction that um, addresses some of his issues um, but I gotta say, like, how you're handling it seems pretty, um, seems pretty mature, honestly. Um, I do think that you should bring in somebody outside that maybe has more, um, experience and can hold him accountable, um, to his sobriety. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I said all I have to say. Yeah. You uh you want to move forward a little bit? Yeah. All right. So while Jacob pulls up the next one, hey, our phone number is 971-208-5290. You can DM us. You can PM us. You can send us a message. You can do all of those things. You can um, hit us up with an anonymous topic. In fact, we have an anonymous topic. We'll hit around the second hour here tonight. Um, what was it on? Uh dating dating yes it was it was about dating uh but in the meantime we're we're gonna go ahead and do another one of these topics and then maybe we'll play a game and hit that that anonymous one so uh send us a topic send us a topic okay this one is called should i love my stepchild <laughs> and okay. it's by trop 28 ic wait what is it Chop trop 28 ic yeah. Trop. T-Rop. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, here it goes. Okay. I've been with my partner for seven years. He has a 10-year-old with previous lady. We have no children together yet, but have plans to in future. We all get along fine, and stepdaughter comes around to our place every weekend, pretty much. We do lots of activities, and I make efforts to be involved and be as good a step-parent as possible. She is very much a daddy's girl, but makes it clear that she likes me and we have fun. A recent conversation with a friend highlighted the fact that I do not love my stepdaughter. And I feel terribly guilty because of this, and it's been going around in my mind since weeks ago. I haven't and don't want to discuss this with my partner, as I don't want to create an issue for him or upset him. I don't believe my stepdaughter loves me either, although we like each other and have fun when she comes to our place. It took me a while to accept the fact that my partner had a child, as I had never dated a man with a child before we got into a relationship. But I love my partner and want a future and family with him, so it's something I had to accept. I don't want to end 
or I don't want to and never have wanted to force any kind of relationship with my stepdaughter as I just wanted it to be gradual and natural. I didn't want her to feel smothered or forced and I have found that to be a good way. Should I feel guilty that I don't love her? Hmm. My first question is, is that actually true? Yeah, seriously. Like, I don't I don't think that that's a true assessment of how you really feel, honestly. Who, like, what did she say? She talked to a friend. A recent conversation highlighted that I don't love my stepdaughter. Yeah. So someone, just she was chatting with someone and then she came to understand that maybe she doesn't love her stepdaughter. That's what I picked up, yeah. Yeah, I just... I, just from hearing you talk and how you have fun and how much you love her dad, mm-hmm. that's, okay, um, yeah, I just don't, I don't think that's true, like, maybe you're being too hard on yourself, maybe you don't really understand that you actually do love her, because I feel like if you love her dad, then you, like, would automatically love her like I don't know I just feel like that would be obvious what's a good question to ask to be able to figure out if you love somebody or not how can you determine that feeling well I I think it's more along the questions of what is love baby don't don't hurt hurt me me. (laughs) okay yes no Uh, I think it's it's more along the questions of what is love like what is appropriately considered love um and then you you have to answer that question and and so yeah i'm with justine like where why do you think that you don't love that's the first question everything that i'm hearing sounds like you do yeah love is you know love is when you're thinking about the welfare of another human being right Mm -hmm. you think about them and you want to do what's right by them so let's let's consider the facts okay not to skirt your, your question, Jake. I'm, I just don't really know. Skirt, skirt. So um, let's consider the facts. You didn't want to push your relationship onto the kid. Mm-hmm. You are willing to, even though it was not anything that you had wanted in the past, you are willing to bring this kid along into your relationship. Which, by the way, that's not... Uh, that's not a done deal. There are plenty of... I mean, come on. Haven't you seen any fairy tales when you were a kid? Like, the evil stepmother comes along and takes the father away? Like, that's not a done deal. But clearly, you didn't want to uh, mess with their relationship. So, on some level, you like want to make sure that their relationship is good. And you're not willing to destroy... And you said this a couple times. Destroy their relationship with each other. So... Uh, so there's that. Um, what else? Let's see. You have fun together. You have she fun together. With them You're giving with her. her time to acclimate to you. Uh, you see her. You see. You've been with this guy for seven years. So that means you've been with this kid, uh, and the kid's ten. So that means you've been with this kid since they were three years old, uh, and doing things with this kid this entire time. Like, what are you? What are you talking about? What what do, what is, what what is love to you? So so Jake, ask your question again. So my question was, what would you be able to ask yourself 
in order to figure out if you love them or not. So do you have an answer to that in mind? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, if that child was to disappear out of your life, would you try to stop that from happening? Hmm. I like that question. Yeah. Would you fight for that? Yeah, I like that question. And, and based, based upon what is read here, I think the answer is yes. And I, I don't think it's a simple, well, I think my, my uh, is it husband? Yeah. Uh, partner. Or, or partner? Yeah. They keep saying partner. Okay. Well, I think that my boyfriend, because it's the dad, so. Uh, um, I think that my boyfriend would be bothered, so I would fight for this child. I, that's not the impression I get. Yeah. So, um, I do, I do see some things in here that, uh, could be worked on. But before we talk about what could be worked on, let's just unpack love for a second. Uh, I mean, this has been talked about so often, so I'm going to try to, well, I guess it hasn't been talked about here, but I'm going to try to just give you your brief overview, okay? So in the English language, love is love, um, so much so that that's a slogan unto itself that means literally nothing. <laughs> so, oh but... In biblical language, love is not just love. It, it can be divided into four main topics. It can actually be divided into more, but four main topics. So you have eros, which is where we get the word erotic, and then you have phileo, which is where we uh, get the word like Philadelphia, for instance, city of brotherly love. So brotherly love. Then you have storge. I always remember storge because storge sounds like storks. And storks are the ones that deliver babies, and the term means parental love. Um, interesting note, it's never talked about positively in the Bible. It's always talked about, it's only talked about negatively in the Bible as something that will be lost in the end of days. So that's interesting. Because um, it's just normatively spoken of. Like, this is what people have, parental love. Um, and then the last one is agape which means uh, unconditional love. And it's specific to the way that God loves people. It's like something that is specific to God. Um, so anyway, when we talk about love, what standard are you holding yourself to? I mean, maybe you don't have a storgic love for, so like a parental love for this kid, but clearly you do want what's best for them on some level. Um, and you're willing to uh, you're willing to love them. It seems unconditionally, at least to some level, right? It would be easier for you, or would have been easier for you in the past, not to not to be in relationship with them. But you know, you've put you've put the the speed of the relationship aside, and so on and so forth, and sort of gone the hard road. And only now that they're you know ten years old. Are you even starting to like think about this? Um, but get this, like this kid is preteen. Mm -hmm. You think that it's hard now. Imagine how it's going to be when this kid is trying to understand your place in their life in a much larger way. My guess is that you're going to have a hard time with that because you're not really talking to the kid about their place in your life because you have been living so scared of... Uh, destroying the relationship or I don't know what it is, but there, there appears to be a fear and insecurity in your relationship with, with the dad. Um, and 
with this child. And instead of allowing the relationship to develop by talking to the dad or the child and, and, and asking for what you might want, you, you now are convinced that you don't love this child. I think Jacob's right in the way that he asks the question. I think that you'd be bothered if this child, you know, was out of your life based upon the way that you're talking. So I think that you do love the child. And I think that what you need to do is speak the truth. I think that you need to talk to this child and express to them the truth that you do love them. Um, yeah, you need to tell them that you love them. And maybe your love's not perfect. Uh, okay. That doesn't mean that you don't love them. Right. Um, I think you should also chide your friend uh, you know, and I, well, maybe it was you who came to that conclusion while talking to your friend. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I think that, I don't think you should feel guilty. First of all, I think you should be feeling confused, which is clearly what you are. And I think that you should go back to this child and talk to them. Uh, a 10 year old will be able to understand it. They might need some help, but, but they should be able to understand. I think you should go to them and talk to them, take a real close look at that question that Jacob asked, and then be honest with them. Hey, I, I would like, I, I want you in my life and I want you to know that. That's, I mean, that's love. That's not all there is to loving somebody, but, but that is love. And I think maybe you need to talk to the dad and be like, hey, I love your kid. And I'd like to take more of, you know, more of a parental role with them. Um, I have more questions about what are you afraid of? Right. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Because there's, there's a, I don't know, partway down to this little article here that we're reading, it says... Uh, or she says, I don't believe my stepdaughter stepdaughter loves, loves me, me yeah. either. Although we like each other and have fun when she comes over to our place. So Yeah, I, I noted she, that too. Yeah, maybe she, the, the stepmom, does really love the stepdaughter but is like afraid that she doesn't love her back. Right. So then she um, is like maybe like afraid to say or afraid to fully... Um, dive into those feelings mm -hmm. and um, and then now it's like you're assuming emotions like onto this 10 year old that might not even be there um, and so yes you should talk to her uh, I'd like to add I was scrolling the responses to this post or whatever and trap 28 I see did reply and so they did talk to their boyfriend, partner, whatever, uh, about the relationship. Mm -hmm. He said he was happy with the relationship that they had, and she feels better. Well, there you go. Solutions. Yeah, I, you know, I think, um, yeah, that's, sorry, I'm writing notes. Um, I think that that's what it comes down to a lot. A lot of the times in a situation like this, you know, is that what you have is a perspective issue and your perspective issue is really 
it's it's really accusatory, you know, and it really goes toward the other person. And you have to ask yourself, is this the real narrative? Nine times out of ten, this is going to be solved just by talking to people. People are insecure. They just are. Um, as creatures, we're sort of, you know, pack animals. Um, and so we always want to be with each other. We always want each other's approval. And, uh, you know, usually if you're insecure, that means the person who's with you is insecure. Uh, and so, you know, just affirming relationship and um, being honest and not pre-lashing out at somebody. Well, not lashing out at all, but not pre-lashing out at somebody for a perceived conclusion, you know, that they don't love you um, is going to go a long ways. Yeah. And also also not... Um, not just pre-lashing out, but but also not. Jeez, what was I thinking? I don't know. I can't remember. Like creating your own narratives, like creating. Yeah, something own... something along those lines. It's like when you start to say things about somebody else that you haven't asked them about, yeah. then you're like basically talking with yourself and coming up with a story that's false. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I th I think that that happens a lot. Um, and a lot of times it's, it really just comes down to, you know, talk to each other and then, and then it's, uh, what is it? Step brothers? <laughs> what is we it? Just step become best friends? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Step brothers. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah. It's that well, moment. You have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I feel like this is like the fourth time that we've mentioned Step Brothers. We need a soundbite. It's a super relevant movie. <laughs> right. to Covers us. everything about life. <laughs> Yeah, we need is a soundbite. Making bunk beds would solve all problems. It's, well, it brings other problems. Um, sure. Let's play a, actually, before we do that, yeah, let me just, the last thing I want to say is, you know, this is a super relevant and prevalent uh, problem. You know, this is something that just, like, it's it always happens. I can I can think of several instances where I've had to counsel people who had step relationships and they wanted to, they wanted to proclaim, they, okay. They wanted to proclaim their love for the other person, but they didn't want the other person to reject them. So in order to not have the other person reject them, they built the narrative that they didn't actually care that much about whether ah, the other person great. <laughs> loved them that much. Classic. But in reality, they cared a whole lot and what always solves the problem is talking to each other. If, if you're thinking about another person that much and it's like really bothering you, yeah. you probably have, you know, some deep feelings there. You probably so. more than like them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's play another Would You Rather. Alrighty. All right. Would you rather have to talk to a hundred people every day. Done this one. We did it. We did it. Oh my gosh. I think I just read that one recently, like did. earlier. Okay. <laughs> we need you, a discard pile, like a stationary discard pile. Would you rather yeah. um, everyone in your family have one wish mm. or have three wishes all to yourself? And what do they mean? Do they mean that everybody have the same mentality? I'm confused. The card a single says wish. Nothing more. You have one wish to 
together. I right. think it's that everyone individually has their own. Wish. Yeah, that makes more sense. But when I was, <laughs> I heard this question earlier because she was trying to pick out ones that we haven't done before, mm-hmm. and I was, Fail. I was saying <laughs> that I would ask for three wishes for myself. But then I'd hack the system because there's nothing in there that says you can't ask for more wishes. Mm, everybody other knows that that is implied. But I refuse to accept it, which makes it okay. You didn't enter the cheat code, therefore denied. <laughs> That's the it's the unspoken genie, uh, you know, genie rule. What is then it? I'd the wish the for genie fine genies. print. Now that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that one. What? Neither have I. I just popped into my head. So you can't wish for more wishes, but can you wish for more genies? Hmm. They never said anything about a genie. But that's the that's where wishes, you know. What if you wish? Wishes don't just come out of nowhere. What if you made a wish to alter the contract? Uh, to change the rules, yeah, it's a fairy god. It's either fairy godmothers or it's well, fairy godmothers genies. just give you however many. What about wishes a fairy card? Just a card. Gosh, how oh. many rules are there? I could think of so many ways to get around the system. Start the system. <laughs> You're going to get caught up by the wish police. You remember in Aladdin, he became the genie. That wasn't good. I think <laughs> it was Thanks good. Well, <laughs> the bad guy became the genie. I know, Spoilers. and it was good. Okay. Oh, my gosh. If everybody in your family, if everybody in your family had a wish, I think my... I, I would have to make sure that I went last. Oh. That's the thing I'd be scared of. Like, my wife, I'm not afraid of making a wish because I know that her wish would benefit everybody. And my daughter, I think it would take her a long time to make a wish. Yes. And she would freak out about it. <laughs> but my son, I would be really afraid of the wish that he might come up with. <laughs> you know? It'd probably be something about, like, saving all the sea turtles or something. Well, no, it's either saving all the sea turtles or... I wish there was bad guys, and then I could beat yes. them up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, we don't want that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyway, oh, that's an interesting idea for, like, a comic book. You all have wishes? No, like, somebody wished bad guys into existence so they could beat them up. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. when they were a little kid. Oh, that's oh, an interesting idea. Whoa! Okay. Jas- Jasmine, just ditched- Jasmine just ditched her mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this they wish. You heard it. Project. You heard it here first. It's copyrighted. The copyright twenty twenty. Yeah. The 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 twist is that the the main good guy actually created all the villains by wishing them into existence. Yeah. Right. I love it. I that's love awesome. It so but so his excited. dad is a Navy SEAL, so he learned how to fight. Maybe that's maybe that's a children's. Anyway, okay. So we've got some things to do. All right. Awesome. Moving on. Moving on. Hey, let's uh, let's hit our uh, topics from from our listeners. Um, so our number is nine seven one two zero eight five two nine zero. And remember, you can call for prayer or biblical advice. Um, and we also have an anonymous form on JotForm that you can use. You can find it on our facebook uh, thread you know whenever we do shows we post them you can find you can find the form but you can just post anonymously to us and we'll talk about it right right here on you know nightlight radio so um and yeah so we have one to discuss with you jacob you got it pulled up yeah all right hit it this is from anonymous um from anonymous yeah so shout That's out nice to anonymous name. we appreciate you putting in work here so uh <laughs> 
We appreciate you. The wind blew the door open? Putting right. in work with the name Anonymous. Oh, it shut the door. Thanks. We got Danny Ghost. Phantom in the house. Okay. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and read. Alrighty. Please describe your topic or question. What? Here it is now. Okay. What <laughs> scriptures can I study to learn how God wants people to date? Okay. She's looking for some scripture to help her figure out how God wants people to date or him anonymous we, should, yeah it's anonymous we, we don't know yeah should we assume that it's a, a I'd like to or, think it was a girl is that easier for you to picture yeah <laughs> okay um well i don't know you guys want to hit this before i jump in there <laughs> oh jeez. well I'm just trying to think. <laughs> um, we got scriptures from the Old Testament where God specifically gives step-by-step -step instructions on what to do in order for Isaac to have a wife um, through Abraham and one of his servants goes into the city and walks up with, uh, I think it's a donkey, and asks Sorry. Yep. Yeah, no, you're you're telling what's you're telling funny story. I'm just I personally I'm wondering how you're going to apply this to how just the way you said donkey. Oh. That's all. That's Nothing just more. Enough. Well donkey and Shrek even was able to donkey. figure out how to date. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. Uh conti continue. So yeah, step by step you get that from the Old Testament. So he has a role in that and so I think that if you take that story, apply the Holy Spirit, and submit to the Holy Spirit, you'll figure out exactly what you need to be doing um, in regards to who God wants you to be with. So you have to open your heart to the examples that Scripture gives. Um, but then you also get the other hand where Paul says that it's more distracting to be married in his mind because it will take you away from um, giving your full service to God. And so you got to consider that too. It doesn't make sense for you to date. So there's a lot of different areas we can go in regards to what scriptures can you study on how God wants people to date. Because I guess it just kind of depends on what God has planned for you. Um, sometimes with a given life, people don't actually date at all. Um, and other times, you know, people go through lots of different relationships to figure out what they want, and some people only, it only takes one. So, um, scripturally, that's ideal, I think, is to just have one person to date for the rest of your life, especially if you plan on being sexual. But, yeah, uh, I feel like there's a layered amount of things that you could touch on for this. Well, I just have a question about the question. But, okay, because, like, when you're saying how God wants you to date, um, I don't, like, scripture, that's kind of hard for me, but, like, I... You mean you're not sure, like, where to yeah, go Yeah, I'm not okay. sure, like, I mean, it... I pulled something up here, and it says Proverbs, Proverbs 16.3, Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. 
Um, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I just feel like when you read scripture and you apply scripture to, I don't know, anything, but we're talking about dating here, um, if you are having, like, God as your focus and, like, you're working towards that, then you're not going to, like, let things like dating get in the way of the work that you're doing for God. And, like, when I think about how God would want people to date, um, I'm just wondering, like, you're just going out on random dates with people, like, just whoever asks you at the grocery store or, like, <laughs> walking down the street or something. Um, I just think it's important, like, to guard who you're letting in in that way and to just really question, like, why you're dating um, and what your motivation is for it and if you're having, like, where your focus is in that. Um, and, yeah, I... I'm not sure about the scripture side of things, um, but as far as like the mindset, I guess is more of what I'm talking about. Producer Jasmine, you want to throw in there? No, I'm good. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a ton of scripture that you can look into. See, the thing is, so there's, especially in regard to sexuality and relationships isn't just about sexuality but obviously sexuality is a huge component of relationship um especially when you get into um the marriage relationship um and i think that's really what you what you got to understand you're looking at scripture to provide parameters for how it is that you interact with each other marriage is the the center of um all relationships and all society according to scripture um, so the first thing is, what do you mean by date? Um, I, I, the concept of dating just doesn't really fall in line with scripture. Um, there's partnership, there's, um, you know, the, there's all sorts of relationships that scripture can teach us about, you know, within the family, including a husband-wife relationship. There's friendship that it can teach us about. There's um, father-child relationships and um, uh, even like, uh, funnily enough, even things like master-slave. But you don't really see dating in scripture. And that's not because there wasn't, you know, a promiscuous culture that was present back in the day. It's because it's not normative to how um, God wants to do things. And I know you might be like, okay, but you just said master-slave. But what we're talking about, when we're talking about master-slave, first of all, it's not, you know, southern plantation master-slave relationship. It's a completely different uh, dynamic. But second of all, that's at least part of a submission structure. Dating isn't that. Dating is the trying on of people. Like, that's basically literally what dating is. It's the trying on of people, sometimes even mm. physically, um, to understand your compatibility. Well, that's, there's nothing in scripture about that. The truth is, is that if you were mature enough, you could be compatible with almost anybody. Um, so this concept of dating is 
mm, I don't know, irrelevant. It's just not normative. Or it's, it's normative that people didn't date. Um, the, the people who were following God's principles didn't date. And that's the thing. You, you got to look at all of these principles. So I can give you scripture after scripture. I'll rattle a few off um, that I pulled up. Just, you know, I would just enter like into a search engine like dating verses for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace, right? So flee youthful passions. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company ruins good morals. That's a good one. People don't think about that for dating, but it's Where true. Where's that address again? 1 Corinthians 15.33. 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Uh, that concept of unequally yoked, it's foreign in our day, but it would be like, don't put on two, uh, two tires of a different tread on your car. Okay. What? Just seems lost. So am I, let's be honest. No. <laughs> okay. I understand that now. Like snow tires and Okay. So the, Okay, so I'll explain it to you. So the, explain the, the tires. <laughs> so I'll explain the unequally yoked. So basically you had oxen and oxen would, they had this big thing. Uh, you can sometimes find them in like restaurants that are, are themed this way, but it's this giant piece of wood that goes between the two oxens, right? And so the oxens, they would sit on their shoulder blades and the oxens would walk to till the ground in the, in the farms. And while they were tilling the ground, um, you know, they would walk together in sequence. That's what it would do. That would allow them to pull heavy machinery behind them, right? Well, the problem is if you had an unequally yoked pair of oxen, then you'd have one ox that was really weak and one ox that was really strong. So what happens when you have one that is weak and one that's strong? Jacob, go. Well, yes, Jasmine, you got it. Jacob, most of the time you're going to venture to the one side. He's just saying a longer version of what I said. (laughs) Yes, you're going to venture to the weaker side. And you're going to lean into that side and you're going to go in circles. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about that's when we say... Nasty crop circles. Crop. Well, that's why monster <laughs> trucks end up doing roll. cookies when they lose a tire because that's all they yeah. can do after and that. And that's what I was saying about tires. There you go. Right? Okay. We're all in this together. Well, full circle. <laughs> right. Full circle. Know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. What was the second one that you talked about? Oh, second sorry. I'm just Timothy? rattling them off. You're that rattling was, them off. It was Second Timothy 2.22, then First Corinthians 15.33, then Second Corinthians 6.14, Corinthians um, 6.14. 6.14. You can go back to 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about what love is. Again, when we talk about 1 Corinthians 13, <laughs> you don't have to get all these verses. I'm not going to do Just these three. Okay. I'm trying to do my job. When we talk about 1 Corinthians 13, people, the one that people read in uh, weddings all the time, you know? People, oh, yeah. People got to understand those verses are not about romantic relationships. They're about people working together in the church using their spiritual gifts um, properly. But it, it can still apply. Uh, Genesis 2.18, it's not good for a man to be alone. So on and so forth, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. So there's all of these principles that you can find in Scripture if you just read the Scripture. I don't know how, to, how else to talk about that because the truth is, is that Scripture is pro-sexuality and and um, relationship normative. So basically, as you read the scripture, you're going to find over and over and over again 
different directions on how you should do things and different prohibitions on how you should do things. And I would just suggest that you read the scripture and do that. However, there is another way to study the scripture that I think is massively beneficial, and it's to take on mentorship in the scripture. So for instance, if you want to understand what a loving friendship can be, you should look to the relationship between David and Jonathan, for instance. This is a good place to find that. If you want to look at the ills of being a prophet, um, you want to look at the story of Elijah. If you want to look at um, being a foreigner in a, uh, a foreign land and still standing strong for God, you want to look at the book of Daniel and see you know, what that was like. Well, the same is true for relationships. And there is a story um, that's called the book of Ruth. Oh, yeah, Ruth. So Ruth has this romance with Boaz. Cool name. Um, <laughs> and uh, she has this romance with Boaz, sort of a secondary, like later in life romance. And um, it's a really interesting story. And it gives a good indication of how all of these rules could play out um, in real life, uh, in real application. And Ruth, incidentally, she was um, uh, the, like, I don't know, great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Um, so, you know, there's, there's something to be said for their story. But there's a, there's a couple things. And really, it just comes down to looking for a man of integrity, um, not, for lack of a better way of putting it, slutting it up. Um, you know, uh, putting the emphasis on whether God wants you to be together. Um, and yeah, just a bunch of things. Um, I would, so if I were you, I would keep your eyes open as you study scripture. I'm sure that there's Bible plans out there that you can get that, you know, like you can get on the Bible app. I'm sure. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's, it's a great free resource. Wonderful. Uh, you can look at their web app, which is Bible.com, and I don't know what, what's that, what's their what's their application. U version. U version. Yeah, it's called U version. Um, but you can look at that, and you can you can read like all sorts of different types of Bibles, and there's plans that you can follow. Here in ABF, the men in our church, uh, uh, we follow a two two years through the Bible plan altogether that we do every day. Um, so it's great. And I'm sure that you can look in there and find things on dating easily. Um, yeah, there's a whole oh. section on it. Your microphone. Oh, that's what it is. I thought it was Jacob stroking the couch. Um, <laughs> no, it's not that powerful. Jacob's like, what? Stroking the couch. Is that an old Southern term? No. <laughs> no. I certainly hope not. Anyway. Oh, they even have one... The sacred search. Okay, so Justine's looking up stuff right Getting now. Getting ready for marriage. So there you go, and so you can look in. You can look into some plans there. But if I could direct you to one passage in particular, it would be to look at the book of Ruth and look at the relationship between Ruth and Boaz and see how it was that they went about their relationship and really put God at the center of things, because there's nothing better than looking at the practical application and not just the uh parameters that scripture gives us which are ample for the record you might be even you might be a little confused by them like for instance paul says it's better not to you know um so probably the best you guys oh wow our mics are really good 
Uh, you can That's you, the wind you can the hear podcasters. the you can hear the wind the the, the trees trying to date the window yeah the window's open um, so yeah that's that's what I would suggest about that you know get a get a I almost said dating app get a Bible app <laughs> don't do that that's swipe, like or wipe, or, swipe, swipe or wipe that's swipe funny. or wipe swipe or wipe what is that app called Tinder are you talking about the swiping where you can the swipe, swipe left or right yeah oh yeah. plenty of fish. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> anyway, get a Bible app. I recommend version, and you can find verses there. But um, go check out the Book of Ruth. It's really good. It's it's really good. You can see a lot about relationships, um, loving relationships, mm-hmm. and um, mother daughter relationships, yeah. and. It's, it's just really, really good. So check out the book of Ruth, and that would be my, my thing. Go check out, check out the book of Ruth, get a, get a Bible plan, and check it out. Yeah. All those things. Anybody Look else have anything it. they want to add to it? She's just she's, anonymous here is going to find the answers that she's looking for or he's looking for as they continue to travel through Scripture. So, right. Um, but, yeah, I think you hit... Definitely some good resources for that. Yeah. Keep it on, uh, you know, keep it on God. Like, that's really where it needs to be. And, and yeah. like I said, it the concept of dating is not normative to Scripture. It's not, we don't try people on, okay? Yes. You're, you said that weird. Whoa. Oh, no, I'm You're sorry. like, yes. <laughs> I just have a thought. Okay, go ahead. I have a thought here. Uh, if... This person's already dating. I would suggest that they look into the scriptures together, so that they can figure out how to great. date yeah. each other, yeah, and be godly in their relationship. So the term, first. so when you, so you're 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 using the term date interchangeably. There is the biblical method is called courting. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So which just basically On means it. which just basically <laughs> means uh, trying to decide if you are capable of doing right by that person in a marriage relationship. And I'm very careful about how I say that because it's not about trying to decide if you're compatible with that person. I'll stress it again. Almost anybody is compatible with almost anybody if they uh, are mature enough. So the issue isn't about compatibility. It's about um basically what is going to be the best possible outcome and weighing the cost of that, you know, like whether you want to be with that person or not, because you could be with almost anybody. And I know that that may not be the, uh, that may not be the romantic way of looking at it. I know that a lot of people believe in soulmates. If you've listened to me at all on anything, you'll know that I don't, I don't believe in soulmates. Um, my wife, uh, I I love my wife not because I have to, because I'm fated to, but because I choose to, which I think is a much deeper, I mean, that says something a lot more than, you know, I'm a star-crossed lover that had to, had to look at my wife the way that I did. Um, there goes the ghost again, opening our door and shutting it promptly. <laughs> it's the winds. It's pressure in the building. That's what anyone yeah. would say. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, yeah. yeah let's keep let's see. let's keep it moving. Yeah, all right. Got one here. On to the next. All right. So this one 
is called Anxiety and Depression Due to Mentally Abusive Father. Okay. Um, this person's name is Petra. Oh, okay. Nice. Cool name. All right. <clears throat> oh, wow. That, that, was, that, that hurt my ears. I'm awake. Right. I'm what awake now. Say? I'm lost. I'm sorry. Which one? Petra. Anxiety and depression due to mentally abusive father. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go for it. I've been struggling with mental abuse from my father for years now because of it. I had a couple of abusive relationships in the past. I ended up with a few bu bruises, been tossed down the stairs, miraculously with no injury. After the last relationship, I ended up in the women's shelter for a while. I managed to start over slowly, but it's been a significant struggle. I have good days and bad days like everyone else. I've been battling stress and anxiety for years, but let me tell you a story about how my childhood looked like to give an idea. I was born four years after my eldest brother died unexpectedly from misdiagnosed meningitis in the hospital. I guess the first disappointment for my father was I was born a girl. During the first few years, I was his little princess, but once I started school, everything started to change. I never had issues at school and I was always straight-A student, but for some reason, it wasn't enough for my father. He never complimented me when I got a good mark, but always made a negative remark when I got an A- minus or B. I had to help my grandparents and do advanced math during the summer holidays. I wasn't allowed to go camping or have fun with my schoolmates as often as I liked. My father made everything into a competition and punished me by putting me down each time I lost. When I changed schools in grade 5, I was extremely proud of myself when I got my first report card with straight A's. It was known that one particular teacher did not mark anyone with A's for several years in a row, and I got an A. Everyone envied me. My father commented, it, couldn't it be better? I was floored and hurt by that comment and cried myself to sleep. I was good at school, and my schoolmates hated me for that, but got no praise for it at home either. I have always been stuck in the middle between the two worlds. The saddest moment for me was when one lady gave me a puppy when I was around 12 years old after I was begging her for days. But when I brought the puppy home, my father gave me a long speech and tons of reason for me to not have a dog and send me back and told me to return the puppy. For many years after, I saw that poor dog tied up to the tree, crying because nobody else wanted it anymore. Even today, it breaks my heart thinking about it. It could have been my buddy my mental escape to happiness that I was deprived of. Most of my teenage years after that, I barely spoke to my father because I did not want to say anything wrong, but he always found a reason to get mad at me. Locked me out of the room for an idiotic reason, got mad at me because I did not run to the store to get him a beer. No, he wasn't an alcoholic. The minute he asked, I would, um, because I was finishing my homework. I even had to write letters to my school pen pal we had via school under his supervision and rewrote it each time I made a small mistake. I left home when I was 18 years old. I found myself a job and been gone pretty much ever since. Unfortunately, it did not end there. I'm now living half a globe away and mental torment continues. I've been trying hard to tolerate his constant negative comments, complaining about everything and everybody each time I went to visit him 
and my mom or talk to him over the phone. He even blamed me that I lied when post lost his when the post lost his birthday card that I made it all up and sent no card at all. Now, why would someone lie about that? What hurts the most that lately I've been out or I found out he has been mentally even physically abusive towards my mom. It's been happening for years. She said it started with her father-in-law already. With my father, it wasn't perfect, but it was okay till last Christmas when he out of the blue just started to yell at me and started bringing negative things from the past. Most of them weren't even related to me. When I called to wish Merry Christmas, he slammed the phone, and I haven't talked to him since. I try to reach out on New Year's, most recently on his birthday, but he won't even talk to me on the phone. Anxiety and depression are now taking over a bit again. I've been crying a lot, try to read self-help books, but it isn't helping much. This pandemic isolation isn't helping the matter either. I'm married. My husband is nice, but he has his issues. And when we argue, it gets horrible, and he starts the mental abuse, similar to my father as well. I'm starting to turn to drinking, and I know it's not good. Not sure where to turn for help. I'm trying hard not to start thinking suicide again, but I did that in the past and ended up on antidepressant medication. And that's where it ends. Hmm. Um, there is um, parts here that I got kind of confused just on the wording, and I'm not really sure. Sure. What is actually going on? Um, mostly that uh, she found out her dad has been abusing her mom, but then it says it's been happening for years. She said it started with her father-in-law already. I get it started with her father-in-law, but where is what's this already coming from? It throws me off. That she was being abused by the husband's dad. Oh, and now it's both like basically of them. her grandpa was abusive, and now he is abusive too. Yeah. Oh, that's the impression I, I see. get. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? That's sad. That's a sad struggle. Um, so they haven't talked now since Christmas. Um, and it ended with him slamming the phone on her. But now she's like eating up that emotion that got that she got from that phone call. And now it's like she's getting reminded and triggered from the arguments of her husband. Um, I wonder how she would feel if she just let him go for a while, you know? As, like, as bad as that sounds, I just wonder if, like, things would be, um, like, time would allow the wound to heal, you know? Mm -hmm. He obviously isn't ready to have a conversation with her because she calls and he doesn't answer the phone. Um, so what if she stopped calling, you know, or what if, uh, he, she waited for him to call her and, um, try to have a conversation, even if it doesn't turn out the way she wants, like call, answer the call and have a conversation. And if it doesn't go right, then give it more time. 
but always be consistent in uh, the love that you do have. Be um, open with the emotions that you feel and talk about those, and but also like set boundaries to what you want the relationship to look like and what you would, um, what type of potential you see in the relationship and then talk about things that um, are not beneficial for your safety as well as your growth because you are still his daughter. But you should be um, communicating what helps and what doesn't. Um, so then at least he knows what cards to play if he is trying to make things right. But if he isn't doing that and he doesn't give you the time of day to do that, you could at least talk to your mom. It seems like that they have a good relationship. And so if they're bouncing ideas off each other, then, you know, with the way that uh, numbers make strength, that could be a beneficial thing. Hmm. So if they are on the same page about the behavior of this dad, maybe they together can form some sort of way to talk to him because these are the women of his life. Um, and there's got to be something in there that uh, will have him, you know, calm himself down and be willing to listen. But I know that that's hard to do. So. I know that the self-help books don't help either. So I will say that. And the only sort of book that I've ever found any sort of reconciliation and help in was always scripture. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what kind of self-help books she's reading, but she, they're not helping her. Right. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I hear a desperate plea in there, and I think that, like that's the first place it needs to go. First place is it needs to go to God. I think you're dealing with uh, like some really deep perspective level issues um, coupled with, you know, a practice, um, a practice of maybe um, self-pity or brooding towards um, the way that your, your dad has treated you. Um, I think that that as a practice is is really dangerous. Um, I think that there might be an accusation there toward God, um, which is maybe what's kept you from coming to God. Um, there's a, there's a real anger and resentment I hear in the way that you are talking about things. Um, and it makes sense, you know, it makes sense that you feel that you feel that way because fathers are supposed to teach us about who God is. Mm -hmm. um, that's the way that God set it up. And if your father isn't doing that, then he's still teaching you about who God is. He's just teaching you about who God is in the negative. And so that's a difficult thing. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, you you're left with the recourse of turning to scripture or finding surrogacy. Um, and that's one of the things I would say, like maybe your dad is a terrible person. We don't, we don't know him, you know, but maybe your dad is a terrible person, but he doesn't represent, he doesn't represent the whole of manhood. And there are other men out there who 
I'm sure um, maybe ones that you even know that would that want to do right by you. Um, you know, your husband for one. Uh, so, you know, and, and you sort of, you, you, you gloss it off by saying, you know, well, my husband's a good guy, but he's got issues too. Um, I feel like there's an accusation in that too. I feel like, you know, you should be talking to your husband and saying, you know, this is, this is something that really weighs heavy on my heart. And you might just find that it weighs heavy on his heart too. Mm -hmm. And that he really wants to do right by you and that one of the things that I think a lot of couples don't understand is just how much they are in it to win it with their other uh, partner. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times the, you find um, in marriage counseling, a lot of times what I have found is partners waiting on the sidelines for a tag in, you know, they they want to be tagged into the problem but they don't they don't want to interrupt what's going on but they really want to help um and i think that it's a bit of an excuse sometimes that people use to say oh you're too busy so that's why i didn't tag you in or you have problems of your own so that's why i didn't tag you in the truth is and th that's why i call it an accusation the truth is is that that will never not be true people are complex and they're dynamic and there it will always be the case that there are better things that could be done and there are other things that we want to do but that's the entire reason why we get married like you know as talked about before the entire reason we get married is not because we have to but because we choose that person and part of that choice is choosing in covenant relationship to do right by that person you know, whatever comes, come what may, thick or thin, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this is just one of those things. And, you know, it should never be that my wife says, well, I thought I just had to deal with this on my own because you, you had too many things that you're dealing with. It should never be that way. So, I, you know, it, it may be that you come to the mutual conclusion that would make sense is for her to deal with it on her own because maybe, or for you to deal with it on your own because maybe um, you, you're better suited to it or I don't know, whatever it is, but it shouldn't be that you just feel like he's incapable. Right, not um, willing. Or, or sometimes the worst, not that he's incapable or unwilling, but that he is too weak, you know, that, that, you, don't, you, that you don't wanna put him out um, so, so, you know, I, I would say stop it with that. Um, yeah. Reminds me of like thinking that he's too weak to do it. Like he can't handle the weight. Right. That you don't, that you don't want to bother him, that you don't want to bother him with it. Um, I think. I think you need to you need to turn to God. I, I think you need to confront your father, and then I think you need to let the chips lay where they may. And I think Jacob basically said something similar to that. You know, let the chips fall, and you know, yeah. hold him accountable. You will never have the type of relationship that you would want to have or that you should have 
if you keep allowing him to set the boundaries for the relationship in, in your adult years. He should view you as an adult. He should view you as being able to to draw boundaries. And I know that that can be scary, especially with somebody who is your your father. But if you want to have a relationship with him in the future, it's gotta it's gotta be on those terms. And the scripture is really clear about you know the idea that we leave our our parents control and even their input, and then we cleave to another family unit. And um, cleaving to another family unit, especially as as a as a female in this case, means that you're cleaving to the joint unit of you and your husband. So again, this is something that you and your husband should be doing together where you are now sort of removing your father as the dominant male in your life and talking to him with rules that you and your husband have established and saying, look, this is how this is going to look. If you want a relationship with me, this is how this is going to look. Otherwise, we're not having a relationship on any other terms. Um, and yes, those terms should be, you know, biblical and, um, all of those things. Um, yeah, I have more to say along that, but I'm wondering if Justine has anything to say. Um, I think along with that, like, like leaving and cleaving, that's how you say it? Yeah, leave and cleave, yeah. Um, and like letting your husband like help you along in the process. Um, I think it's also really important uh, to stop comparing him to your father mm, and stop mm-hmm. like putting those things that your dad did on to him um, and like, I guess, accusing him of those things. And yeah, they might be really similar but it's just it's not beneficial for him or for you and um there might be an apology that needs to be had in that if you're like just constantly like like maybe shutting him down because you know something he does instantly reminds you of that like i i just think that could be really dangerous let's think of it this way it's like if you guys are both on the same page that your father is abusive and then he says something or does something that reminds you of that and then you say Here. Oh, we back? Okay, I think we're back. Somebody's going to have to pull audio from video. What happened? The app just shut. I don't know. I went over, I looked over and the app was closed. So that strange was times. It's been a strange night. It's been a strange <laughs> couple weeks. Yeah, we have a higher quality audio, but it took us forever to get there. The other day, our, just to give you guys a behind the scenes for what's going on at the VRN here, we're, we're a guerrilla-style production house. Um, like, we, we make do with what we can. But th- the other day, our app for recording 
our video just wouldn't come on. It was really annoying. Yeah, it was just like the moment, like we would open the app and then it would close immediately. I got I got a message back from the company that um, makes the app and they said that it had to do with Facebook like crashing or something for like a little bit. Wow. And that a bunch of apps didn't work for like 15 minutes, but it just so happened to be like during the, the time that we were coming on. Minutes. Yeah, so anyway. That's uh, but crazy. Jacob, sorry, you were you were talking. We're talking. It's okay. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, just to put it in perspective, um, like Justine said, it was dangerous to compare uh, your husband to your father. But like as, and I agree, as you guys are on the same page on the abuse uh, and the things that your father capable of saying. Um, it's not going to be beneficial at all for your guys' relationship if you do that, if you want uh, your marriage to be successful because it kind of limits the abilities of your husband to be able to um, uh, uphold you um, or um, give respect to you or I, like just to... Like it's not, it's like you're limiting his ability to do those things because of the um, the darkness that your father is providing. So it's like kind of blocking the light that your husband is trying to give. Even if it's like, he's obviously not going to be perfect at it. He's not doing what you are expecting, it seems like. But that's where grace comes in. Um, and if you aren't giving him that grace, uh, he doesn't stand a chance. And I don't really know how all this relationship looks like, but um, I just would start by giving grace and then allowing him to know what you can like, as well benefit from when it comes to helping you out. Yeah. And I don't think that means that you never talk about your father. Or you never talk. Like, I think it's important to talk about those things that like have hurt you in the past or things that you're still working on but not in the middle of a heated argument yeah and mm -hmm. and you know that doesn't set up the relationship for success it's like you need to sit down and and like I guess redraw the boundaries of what you guys want your you know marriage to look like and and the things that like you need him to take care of you in um, and like, you know, the way that you're encouraged or the way that you're talked to is definitely going to be one of them. Yeah, there's a innate insecurity that's definitely there, especially when you trace it back. You talk about, you know, you were born four years after your eldest brother died. You know, you were the little princess, but then I guess that changed, um, <laughs> You know, somewhere in school, probably when you hit puberty, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what the full story is there, but there's definitely a narrative that you're telling yourself that you could probably do without that would really help you. Um, you know, let's just let's just say that your father is, you know, we, we don't know your father, so we're only getting one side of the story. But let's just, for the sake of it, just say that your father is this really terrible person who is, you know is acting this way even by your own correlation he's like mourning the death of his 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 eldest son right it you know it's possible that 
it is possible that he's taking that out on you. Um, it is possible that he's taking that out on you. And that's a terrible thing. But it doesn't have to define who you are. And I think that, you know, as much as you push back against the concept of it defining who you are, you need to actually own the concept that it doesn't define who you are. You can't push back on it and say, no, it doesn't define me. Now, how dare you define me this way? Like, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't define you, then don't let it define you. You know, yeah. don't, t don't talk about it 24 seven and, and, and lean into it the way that you're leaning. Let the other things define you. Um, and I think a lot of it is, is, is harboring or, um, the word that we use is brooding is you are, you're brooding on him and the way that he treated you and allowing that to pattern your thought process and your behaviors. Um, you know, I'm not denying that it's been difficult or that it's not even with, without cause, but I do categorically deny that the way that he treated you must define who you are as a person. You can rise above and beyond that. And part of that is, you know, it, you know, it's, it's like, um, oh, like the cliche of the bully, you know, in the movie, in the movies where you got, you know, somebody who spends their whole life waiting to get back, you know, back on this bully, get back to get back at this bully who's been tormenting them. And they perceived it as, you know, they perceived it as the epic war you know, that had been going on or whatever, come to find out at the end of the movie that that bully, like, doesn't even remember that person. You know? And I think that there, that there is some level of truth to that where, you know, maybe your dad doesn't get it. And maybe it means more to him than it, or more to you than it does to him. Because your dad's been drowning in his sorrow for so many years that he's just become a terrible person and he doesn't realize what he's doing to you. That it and the way that you're choosing to talk about it isn't the only way to look at it. There are plenty of people who are hurt, even imprisoned falsely, who will turn around and, and forgive and forget and use this as a springboard to build their character. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm not saying that what you're going through isn't real, but I do question the perspective that you have on it and whether it needs to continue to be played out the way that it's playing. Um, ultimately, what I would like to see from you is, is you know, addressing him directly uh, and forgiving him for what he's done, drawing lines so that he can't do that for you in the future and to make your relationship safe for you guys to have in the future and then you know praying for him and hoping that the relationship will become something that you know you can have in the future that isn't defined by what he did to you or what you didn't do for him uh it takes two to tango in that way you know yeah so and, and part of that is you know turning to god uh turning mm -hmm. to god and and understanding um, how he defines you and allowing, allowing that to happen. I think, you know, you said that you left home at 18 and, you know, 
that you like basically never looked back, but I think that you've basically spent your entire life looking back. Um, so I'd say it's, you know, it's, it's time to look forward. It's time to look forward to what you can have instead of running away. Move towards something instead of running away from something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have just a tiny bit of time. Um, do you want to throw in like a quick one? Do we have a quick one? one yeah, we do. I don't, know if there, I don't know if that exists. Well, all right, guys. We got something. We do have one here. This one's a good, nice, easy one here. All right, so we'll... nice and easy. Here we go. Oh, okay. All right. This, well, maybe it's not so nice and easy. Uh, Never mind. Just give me a second. I do have a slow one. Or not slow. <laughs> fast we one. We're not looking for a slow one. I'm slow. Here we All go. Right. All right. Okay, hit it. <laughs> okay. This is how to stop on and off relationship with my best friend, my okay. Dina. Right. Okay. My best friend and I have known each other since school days. We've always had an extraordinary bond, and people have either mistaken us for siblings or a couple. Weird line, I know. I've always been attracted to him, and I think he has to me, but we have always had been in long-term relationships with other people. About seven years ago, we hooked up for the first time when we were both newly single and very drunk. Nothing changed in our friendship, and life went on. We both started dating new people and remained close, spending a lot of time together with our significant others. About a year ago, we were all out celebrating a birthday. Again, we had been drinking, and we both said we were in love with, e with others, but never addressed it as we were still in a relationship at the time. I think it was supposed to say with each other. A few months ago, I became single, and he was the first one I slept with after the breakup. He was also available at this point. Since then, we have slept together on multiple occasions and admitted outrageous feelings for each other, but only when drunk. We still spend time together as we did without the physical stuff, and everything is super normal then, but when we drink, it's like a sea of emotions come out. I love him to bits and have not been able to get the physical aspect out of my head. We have lovely intimacy, and I trust him fully. He worships me and speaks so highly of me, and vice versa. I just don't want to lose him as a friend. My head is all over the place, and I'm not sure how to deal with things. Oh, it sounds like a sticky situation. Yeah, it's definitely something that we can't address nope. in this Stay amount tuned. of time. Next so episode. <laughs> I would say that we're gonna set that we're gonna set that one aside, and we'll come at it first thing in it's the a fast three, but a slow roll. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> first thing in the nope. episode. And in the meantime, before we get to that. I will have our listening audience uh, take a look at a movie called No Strings Attached uh, and every other movie that reminds me of this particular... <laughs> like Friends with Benefits. Yeah, basically a Friends with Benefits story. You know, what's the one with Anne Hathaway? Uh, They're like drug reps or oh, something? Me, myself, and Irene. Drugs. What? what? Me, myself, and Irene. Sorry. No. <laughs> it's yelling random things. It's love no. and other drugs. Right? Love and other drugs. Yeah. Friends oh. with benefits. Or no, no strings attached and love with other love and other drugs. Yeah. And oh, I don't know why you failure said Failure to mis launch. What? Why do you keep listing random N movies? Failure to launch? Sorry. Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. We just what? watched it. Yeah, but what does that have to do with this? Well, they're friends. It's a fake relationship, but then they turn into... But that has that's nothing... A, that's that's not the trope. same thing. That's a different trope, yeah. Uh, this is people who fine. are friends, but they kept 
over time hooking up. Yeah. You know, but they, it was never right for oh. them to... Oh! Sorry. <laughs> okay. Alrighty then. Maybe okay. by then Jake will know what we're talking about. Well, I've... Next episode. I've yeah. never put my fingers in this sort of area. Okay. <laughs> I... Don't I don't watch a lot of chick flicks is what, what I'm saying. to make of that comment. So. I just don't. I never, I mean, I've only watched The Notebook and that's all. Maybe Titanic once. You know, I gotta tell you. Justine's dying over there. It wasn't, it she wasn't, can't handle it. it wasn't The Notebook. It was, it reminded me of The Notebook. The Vow with Channing oh, Tatum. I watched that movie. I haven't seen The Notebook. Okay. Ooh, so you gotta I know, understand. He's sexy. The Vow with Channing Tatum came out right after. 21 Jump Street. Oh, awesome. interesting. And see, I hated Channing Tatum. Oh, I just, I couldn't deal with Channing Tatum. You know, I just mm-hmm. didn't like him. I even walked out. So, you know, when I used to work in a movie theater, I had to screen movies and I, I, I walked out of fighting with Channing Tatum. It was so terrible. I didn't understand it. And then 21 Jump Street came out and I was like, all right, okay. This is okay. You know, he's okay. Oh my gosh, I laughed so hard in that. Yeah, it's a great movie. Oh, right. That was so good. He, he, you could just tell that he was giving his all to it, and I felt like, all right, I can laugh with him because I felt like he was really trying, you know? <laughs> yeah. The Vow came out that same oh. year, and I was like, okay, I really felt, you know, I felt like... This is a good year for Channing Tatum. This is a good year for Channing Tatum, and so I feel like Channing Tatum is redeemed in my eyes, and... Oh, the vow yeah, I seen that and movie. the whole time. Oh, I and thought, Magic Mike, I think, came out. Yeah, and sometime. Dear John. No, that, no. Dear John. I don't know when that came out, but I think no, that came out. way not Dear John. That. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and how do we get on this subject? Oh, talking about <laughs> what movie Jake did you bring up? Jake doesn't know what. Well, at first again, movie. Yeah, we. Looks we like. cut. We brought up. Cutscene. Sorry, we you brought up. Uh, failure to launch. No. No, you brought up failure <laughs> to launch. You brought up failure to launch. A Matthew McConaughey dud that failed to launch. Ah. Yes. Is that with Kate Hudson? No, it's with the chick from Sex and the City. What? No, it's... Yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker? I'm Googling She's this. got a long face. Failure <laughs> Okay, to so Sarah Jessica Parker. 2006 yeah. film. And she's dating somebody. It's starring. Once it loads. Oh, my... Hold it. My wife, Jen, would know. Starring, yep. <laughs> and he refused to grow up? Yep, it's... Yeah, it's like stepbrothers. Sarah Jessica Kinda. Parker. Yeah. What a... It's, yeah. The, it's the more suave... It's it's stepbrothers sponsored by Lincoln. Right. By Lincoln Town Car. Yeah, or Cadillac. <laughs> it's stepbrothers oh, all, all done up, looking pretty. All yeah, right. If it's any Cadillac, it's a Cadillac Escalade, I'll tell you that. All yeah. right. Well... We um. Yeah. So... Um, our phone number is 971-208-5290. And you may say to yourself, why does that matter? Uh, considering that... I thought we were going to show... go into the Dirty Harry quote. Oh. You may be saying to yourself, did he fire six, six shots or only five? Anyway. Anyway, what you, may, you may be saying to yourself, why does that matter? Uh, well, the reason why is because even though that's our show for tonight... Our lines will be open for another hour or so. Um, so you can feel free to reach out uh, for biblical advice. You can feel free to reach out for prayer. You can text us anonymously. You can call us. 
Um, if you want us to talk about a topic on the show, apparently we're talking about Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey next week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait. But, um, but uh, uh, you can always send an anonymous topic to us if you want to, and we'll talk about it on the show. Thank you, Anonymous, for sending your topic in. Hopefully um, you got something out of it, and you'll be checking out Ruth and the Book of Ruth and the story of Ruth and Boaz. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, like I said, our lines will be open for another hour, or so, feel free, so feel free to reach out to us. Uh, remember, if you want to donate to our services or, or learn more about us, you can check us out at abfpdx.org. We will be back on the air next week, but our Facebook page and counseling accounts are always on. We will be in office, although we will be off the air, but we will be in office on Monday night also. So if you want to reach up out to us on Monday night um, you know, from 8 o'clock, well, really, nine, well, eight o'clock onward, uh, you can reach out to us um, and we'll be there. Like I said, our counseling accounts are always on. Send your messages and topics to discuss. Good night and stay vigilant. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lake Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.